Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today, and I am so grateful to be your host, so thankful you're here with us. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. We're looking today at just this fascinating subject, at least to me, of Jesus being in Roman imperial records. Now, we don't have the Roman imperial records themselves per se, but a couple of early Christian writers uh, that were contemporaneous with these records from the second century, basically, Tertullian, it could be argued from the early third century, uh, constantly made reference to them and would say, go check out your records and even produce copies of what the records said. And this was something obviously to be expected. The Romans were meticulous record keepers and would have like the Acts Senatus and other things from their far-flung empire. The people that were the administrators would, of course, be required to send in reports periodically to the headquarters of the Roman government at Rome. And something along the lines of Jesus and the massive disturbance he made, especially in his last week, would have been something that would have, we would assume, be in the Roman records. So let's look again. Thanks for being with us. You might want to check out our last few podcast on the evidence for Jesus, and also our 1,500 plus other podcasts on various things from around the world concerning biblical archaeology and evidence for Holy Scripture. But again, share with your friends, family, church family, anybody you think might be interested, even atheists, agnostics, and we're just very grateful you're here. I've studied biblical archaeology for a very long time. I uh, was head of the archaeology department for the uh, Premier Study Bible, available from Insignia Books. It's been a tremendous selling Bible, helping people, um, 22,000 in print plus, and coming out in Spanish, if it's not already by the time you hear this, coming out on an app. And so uh, let's get started. So God bless I was just going to say also I did some studies on Ph.D. level in biblical archaeology with uh, Trinity in Indiana. So other references, this is to Roman imperial records about Jesus, um, the Roman census and taxation, Roman emperors Antonius Pius and Marcus Aurelius. So let's see what they had to say. This is talking about Justin Martyr writing about the middle of the 2nd century A.D., the 150s era. In his first Apology 34, Justin indicates that you could prove that the taxing and census happened in the days of Jesus by the governmental Roman registers. Now, yesterday we covered how uh, Jesus, his crucifixion, he said these things you can that did happen, you can ascertain by the Acts of Pilate. That was in his first Apology 35, first Apology 48. He writes concerning Jesus' miracles and that he did those things you can learn from the Acts of Pontius Pilate. So he was writing to the emperor, saying, okay, emperor, uh, go check your records about Jesus. So here he's saying, like Matthew and Luke 
are correct. And so in First Apology 70, he records a letter written by Antonius Pius, emperor from 138 to 161 AD, to the General Assembly of Asia, telling them that they're too vehement in their reactions towards Christians. So again, early secular references to Christians, and by default, their founder, Jesus. Obviously, there's Christians. There was a Jesus whom they're following that uh, one does follow. And that is extremely consistent with Roman policy that we have the letter uh, from Trajan to Pliny and also a letter from Hadrian that Roman emperors that preceded this saying, well, it's against the law, but don't hunt them down. You know, just if you find them, make them do sacrifice to the emperor, make them worship false gods, make them blaspheme Jesus and everything's fine. If not, eh, kill them. So, in chapter 71 of his first apology, a letter from Marcus Aurelius, emperor from 161 to 180, to the Roman Senate is found, giving thanks to Christians for Roman victory. So, and this is all coming from a book I wrote several years ago, Ancient Historical Evidence for Jesus, which I'm trying desperately to get reprinted and updated. So it certainly would not be out of character with the superstitious Romans to ascribe a victory to various deities. I mean, that's what they did on a regular basis. They win a battle, and they would say, and we dedicate this battle to such and such. He helped us or she helped us. So if this was a forgery, it would seem odd that such flagrant lies would be perpetuated when one could check the authenticity fairly readily. So like if, if Justin is sitting there saying, well, this really didn't happen. Well, um, people could say, you're lying, Justin. This is not in the, the Senate records. This isn't here. Also, you have to remember, too, history records that a huge number of the Roman legionnaires were becoming Christians at various times. Massive. And estimates range from 10% to 25% of the Roman army. As a matter of fact, one of the earliest churches we have in Megiddo from about 225 A.D., a Roman soldier actually dedicated the communion area, and it's inscribed on the floor to the God Jesus, to the God Jesus Christ. I can't remember if it says to the God Jesus or the God Jesus Christ. Let's just say to the God Jesus. But anyhow... Um, so that's pretty fascinating as well. And it would have been accorded with custom. That would have been something the Romans would customarily do. So now we have Tertullian, North African lawyer, and he's writing to the Emperor Tiberius. No, he's not writing to the Emperor Tiberius. We're going to be talking about the Emperor Tiberius in just a little bit. So he was from Carthage and... Uh, he defends Christianity before the Roman authorities in Africa. And he says this. Now, this is just amazing. Tiberiusly, excuse me, Tiberius accordingly, in whose days the Christian name made its entry into the world, having himself received intelligence from Palestine of events. Well, that's pretty obvious, something that monumental. He would get wind of it, which had clearly shown the truth of Christ's divinity, brought the matter before the Senate. So they were always looking to add to their pantheon. Uh, with his own decision in favor of Christ, the Senate, because it had not given the approval itself, rejected his proposal. They said, we're not going to say Jesus was divine. 
Caesar held his opinion, threatening wrath against all accusers of the Christians. That's in Tertullian's Apology, number five. Now, again, it's assumed that Tertullian would not have made such a declaration if it could not have been autonomously confirmed in the records of the Axed Senatus of Rome or in the Commentary Principis of the Emperor. And one could see the Roman Emperor not wanting to offend a certain god. Pontius Pilate, I mean, we have this example in the Bible, was frightened by his wife at the prospect of offending a deity. Greeks even made altars to unknown gods in an effort not to affront them. The Lystrans thought that gods had appeared in the likeness of men in the case of Barnabas and Paul. So it again, it appears that fascinating secular attestation, though reported by a Christian source to the historicity of Jesus, appears through the light of history. So Justin Martyr mentions several instances, and then this uh, instance with Tiberius uh, is just absolutely amazing. And I would love to find more secular attestation to that. But Tertullian, again, being a North African lawyer, he would seem to have had the right uh, metal to be very judicious in this. And again, to make, you know, these um, claims, just throwing them out there would have seemed very highly unlikely. Next, we come to Augustus Caesar. Macrobius, the Roman grammarian and Neoplatonic philosopher, in his Saturnalia, quotes Julius Caesar as referring to the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem during the birth of Jesus. Now, this shows uh, you have uh, Augustus Caesar talking about the slaughter of the innocents. This is confirming the Matthean count, and it is from a secular source, Macrobius, a Neoplatonic philosopher and Roman grammarian. So if the Bible was correct about this, would it not tend to be right about other statements in the life of Jesus? Now, God willing, next we're going to be talking about Phlegon from the first century A.D., Marabar Serapion, again from the first century A.D., and then from either the first century or the early second century, Decimus Junius Juvenilus, also known as Juvenal. Also, again, Seneca from the first century A.D. And ancient Jewish writings, many if not most from the first century A.D. And then Hegesippus from the first century A.D. And all of them are going to be testifying in various ways and means to the veracity of the historical nature of the person and work of Jesus Christ and that he, in fact, existed. Uh, many of them mention him in passing, some in derision, some in antagonism, but none of them say he didn't exist. So we're going to stop there for today. God bless you. Subscribe. Leave a five-star review, and we'll talk with you later.